This episode of The Journal is brought to you by H&R Block. The gig is up. You could be overpaying for professional tax help. See how independent workers are saving up to 30% with Block Advisors compared to the cost of a typical accountant. Block Advisors by H&R Block can help you manage multiple streams of income and get you every available credit and deduction. 100% accuracy guaranteed. Schedule an appointment today at hrblock.com slash side hustle. Average savings based on national average fees for federal form 1040 plus schedule C and one state filing in latest available 2020 survey conducted by the National Society of Accountants. Pricing may vary. See blockadvisors.com slash guarantees for full details. The spread of the new coronavirus in the United States has brought with it uncertainty, fear, and disruption. And with that, the risk of a recession. Breaking news concerns over the coronavirus outbreak, and once again, they are affecting the stock market. It's hitting a lot of sectors and a lot of categories, and, you know, we're looking at fear. The worst week of decline since 2008 in the financial crisis. On Tuesday, the Federal Reserve took a dramatic step and lowered interest rates a sign that the government is now concerned the coronavirus could have a serious impact on the economy. Today on the show, senior economics writer John Hilsenrath on whether the coronavirus could cause a recession and the signals people should be paying attention to. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, March 5th. John, you've covered the economy for decades. What was the state of the U.S. economy before the coronavirus? The economy seemed to be in pretty strong shape. You know, unemployment is very low. Household incomes are strong. Consumers are spending. Economists came into this year thinking the economy is on pretty solid footing. It's not supercharged, high-speed growth, but it's stable, strong, durable growth. And then you start seeing headlines about the coronavirus emerging in China. What did you think when you first heard about it? Well, you know, my first instinct very often in these things is that people tend to panic and I don't want to. You know, and having seen so many crises over the years, I've seen the economy demonstrate its resilience through natural disasters and through the September 11th terror attacks in Manhattan, which, you know, which I was present for. So my first instinct was, well, we're going to weather this and people are probably going to get a little more panicked than they ought to be about it. So how did your thinking on the coronavirus and the potential impacts on the economy change over the last few weeks? You know, I think the wake-up call for a lot of people, you know, the problem came home. It showed up here in the United States. And, you know, when it shows up inside your borders— you know, you start thinking, all right, this could affect me. It's become personal for me, and I think it's personal for a lot of people. You know, my dad is 89 years old and was actually traveling overseas to visit my sister. And so there was a discussion in the family, well, does he get on a plane or doesn't he to come home? What did your father decide? Uh, We decided that he ought to get on the plane. My own logic was, well, if this thing is spreading fast, I'd rather him come home sooner rather than later. We're all now going to have to start making choices about how 
we address this, and those choices are going to have economic effects. To your point about economic effects, obviously the the biggest thing that people are concerned about when it comes to the economy is a recession. And we've talked with you before on this podcast about how one of the things that can potentially send an economy into a recession is an unexpected shock, something that changes the economy in a way that people can't predict and that can cause a contraction in the economy. Do you think that the coronavirus outbreak could be a shock that could send the country into a recession? Well, I mean, a lot of economists that I talk to say if this thing really spreads and starts taking more lives, then sure, it could be. I think where we've already seen it play out is in the financial system. And the financial system is is kind of like the raw nerve of the economy. It like twitches before everything else. And what we've seen in the financial system is certainly attention grabbing. So let's start with the stock market. So the stock market fell precipitously last week. The Dow plummeted nearly 1,200 points yesterday, marking the biggest one-day point decline ever. You know, some of this was because people were starting to factor in the disruptions that we're seeing in supply chains from China. You can't have the factories fired up again because of coronavirus. So it's stopping global earnings. We're obviously already seeing some impact in the travel industry on demand, uh, certainly in the energy business and the oil. So it seemed to be an indicator that growth is really going to slow. But I think you have to be careful about reading too much into stock prices. There's a joke in economics that the stock market has predicted 10 of the last three recessions. What that joke means is the stock market is a very volatile beast. It's very often overreacts to threats. And we could see that happening yet again with this episode. So is this just a dramatic overreaction in the stock market or... Is there something else happening in the market that can help explain why it was such a sudden and dramatic fall last week? Well, there are other things happening in the market. One of the reasons the market is dropping is because of real fears about the virus and how it's going to affect the economy. But there are other things happening. There are also a lot of big investors out there, hedge funds, trading enormous positions in the market that had to be unwound. There were a number of hedge funds, as we've reported at the Wall Street Journal, who were betting on very little volatility this year because the economy seemed to be in pretty stable shape. And then when the coronavirus came along, they had to unwind those trades that were betting on little volatility. And ironically, the unwinding of those trades forced selling to happen, selling of stocks, which caused the very volatility that hedge funds were betting against. So what we saw when the coronavirus fears hit was selling that was in part because of the effects on the economy, but also just the technical unwinding of these massive trades that hedge funds had put in, which amplified all of the losses that we were getting anyway. And so your view is that the rapid decline of the stock market that we saw last week was not necessarily a good indicator of what's happening in the underlying economy as it relates to the coronavirus. Yeah, I just don't think people should get panicked by it. It's, there's a lot of reasons to panic right now. And I just think that people should understand, you know, the stock market can be a very volatile instrument. It's like, a, you know, a weather vane that's going around in circles. So, so if the stock market is not necessarily a good indicator of where 
the economy is headed. What are the things that you think people should be paying attention to? Well, I think the most important indicator right now is to kind of borrow an old phrase, jobs, jobs, jobs. That's really a key underpinning of the American economy right now. And the job market is important in large part for economic growth because it's the direct channel into household pocketbooks and consumer spending. So, you know, when we have jobs, that means that we have money in our savings accounts and in our checking accounts, and we're in a position to spend money. And 60 per 70 percent of American economic output is actually derived directly from consumer spending. So could you explain how layoffs could be prompted by the coronavirus? Well, if coronavirus spreads and people respond to this by nesting, by staying home, you could see less people traveling, fewer people taking flights, fewer people going to restaurants, fewer people going to movie theaters. And companies in response to declining revenues could decide that they need to cut costs. And in many cases, the biggest cost for a business is the cost of labor. So they could turn around and fire workers to protect their own profit margins. So in other words, people could start spending less money, which could cause companies to lay people off, creating a downward spiral. Right. So a lot of economists that I talk to are saying that's a real risk. I mean, I think it's kind of logical to think that people are going to be spending less time in, you know, places where other people congregate. Now, it could be the case that the job market remains stable and we see spending, but it just shifts. You know, so maybe instead of going to the mall, you do more of your purchasing on Amazon. Maybe instead of going out to a restaurant, you have a small dinner party at home. Maybe instead of going to the movie theater, you binge on Netflix. So it's possible that consumer behavior changes but doesn't actually dent the economy. And, you know, what I'm saying here isn't built on hopes and dreams. This is exactly what we saw happen after 9-11. And in some ways, 9-11 is analogous here because it was a shot to the economy from out of nowhere and left people really worried about the future. But what happened after 9-11, while flying diminished, you know, there was a lot of talk at the time about people getting in cars and taking road trips to some, you know, local resort or local hotel. So we don't know how it's going to affect household behavior. It's going to depend most prominently on the job market, but it's also going to depend on the nature of the virus. So take me inside the mind of a CEO here as the virus plays out. They have to make a decision about whether they want to lay people off in order to maintain their profit margins. How do they face this calculation? So CEOs have a really interesting calculation that they have to make right now. What we saw in the 1980s and 2000s was almost a reflexive response to economic crisis was to fire workers, to protect their profit margins. Now, there are reasons for them to think twice about it this time. One reason is a lot of American CEOs have gotten a lot of flack for how poorly they treated workers over the last 20 years. Did they really want to respond to a virus outbreak right now by letting people go? Also, 
this virus could pass, we could get to the summer and we could see that the health crisis has dissipated and business is getting back to usual. Now, companies have to ask themselves, do they really want to get rid of workers in an environment where things could return to normal within a few months? The unemployment rate is exceptionally low right now. A lot of businesses have spent the last several years complaining about worker shortages, not having a large enough pool of potential workers. So, you know, what we could see in this episode is a hoarding of workers rather than laying them off, holding on to them because they don't want to lose them if things return to normal. One example that we've seen of this, an interesting one, is United Airlines. At the same time, the company has announced it is putting in effect a hiring freeze. And we've already seen that take effect in terms of the next class of pilots that they plan to bring in for training. Now, Now, United didn't say that they were firing workers. They said they were doing a hiring freeze because they're seeing bookings decline. And in some ways, this is encouraging that they're not going to the corporate reflex of firing. They're just taking a wait and see approach and saying we're not going to hire as much as we had planned to. One institution that's not taking a wait and see approach and that already took a major step this week to fight an economic downturn, that's after the break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Edward Jones, member SIPC. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Welcome back. On Tuesday, in the face of growing concerns that the coronavirus could cause a recession, the Federal Reserve made a surprise move. 10 o'clock Eastern, do we have news for you? It cut interest rates. This statement here that was just put out by the Fed. The fundamentals of the U.S. economy remain strong. However, the coronavirus poses evolving risk to economic activity. John, how might the Fed's rate cut help in this situation? One of the important shock absorbers that the economy has in the face of any kind of crisis or any kind of threat is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve controls the money supply, and through the money supply, it controls interest rates, the cost of money, the cost of borrowing. What the Fed tends to do in a downturn and what it's done out of fears of a downturn approaching this time is it's cut interest rates. That gives households and businesses an incentive to spend or invest money today that they might have otherwise put off for doing tomorrow. I do wonder how much of a difference the Federal Reserve can even make in a situation like this. Because if they lower interest rates, yeah, that will make loans cheaper. But is a lower interest rate really going to convince someone to spend money during the coronavirus outbreak? Because the reason that they're not spending money isn't because loans are too expensive. It's because they're afraid to even go outside. Well, the the two aren't necessarily related. The Fed can't make the virus go away, and it can't make people's fears about the virus go away. But 
what the Fed can do with the interest rate is to encourage people to spend money. So 9-11 was a shock that hit the economy. It literally came out of nowhere. There were no models for it. And there were a lot of worries that this was going to lead to a pretty serious recession. The Federal Reserve responded by cutting interest rates. And what happened, I don't think anyone would have predicted. People went out and bought cars. Like, who would have said that, you know, if we had the worst terror attack on our soil in American history, that the economic response was going to be people were going to go out and buy cars. But the car dealers did zero finance auto loans. And that's what we had. We had a car selling boom. So the Fed has a tool and the tool can be helpful, but it doesn't solve all problems. So just to sort of recap here, the main thing we should be paying attention to when it comes to how the coronavirus is going to affect the economy is jobs. And we've also gone through the main tool the government is using right now to try and prevent the economy from falling into a recession. And that's the Federal Reserve lowering interest rates. Can you lay out what you think would be the worst case scenario for the U.S. economy and what would be the best case scenario? I mean, the, the worst case scenario is horrifying to think about it. You know, we, we had a great flu outbreak uh, in 1918 and millions of people died. And that, you know, forget about the economy in a situation like that. That's human life and tragedy playing through millions of families all over the world. The economic impacts will be real, and we don't know how long they'll last. I mean, they'll last as long as people can go back to work. You know, fortunately for some parts of the economy, we do live in a digital economy, and, you know, there are a lot of white-collar workers out there who are planning as we speak to be able to work remotely if they have to. You know, the challenge is for everybody else who has to be in the restaurant serving food or on the plane flying passengers or at the store checking people out. There's still a lot of our economy that requires face-to-face -face contact. But I think that this is right now, today, a much bigger problem for China than it is for the United States. It has had to shut down whole cities and factories. And so, you know, their economy is in the process of grinding to a halt. But the worst case scenario is a worst case scenario for humanity more than the economy. What do you think the best case scenario would be? You know, in terms of the best case scenario, it's that the spread of this thing slows. Then I think we start to see business and financial markets getting back into a state of normalcy. And I think if we start to see business and financial markets getting into a state of normalcy, then households will feel comfortable that, you know, they can go about their own business as usual and, you know, continue to spend. Obviously, the, the first concern for people is to not get the virus and to not spread the virus. But there's definitely a secondary concern that people have, which is that they don't want there to be a recession because that will bring a different sort of pain to their lives. So how do you think people should be thinking about their own behavior in the economy right now? You know, what the economy needs is for everybody to continue to spend, for everyone to continue to go about their business. But any individual is going to do what's in his or her individual interest. So, you know, if I feel threatened, if my livelihood feels threatened, I might pull back on spending. And I might need to do that in order to keep paying my bills. But, you know, in this case, you know, let's think about what people can do in their interests that helps everybody. You know, interest rates are low. 
Very low interest rates could, for instance, mean households get a chance to refinance their mortgages to improve household finances. It could give students a chance to refinance their student debt or to borrow for the coming school year at a lower rate. Is this an opportunity for you to put yourself in a better financial position and not a worse financial position? And let's not panic. The economy has enough underlying strength and underlying momentum to be able to handle small shocks. We saw that with the trade confrontations last year. Whether it can handle big shocks, we don't know. Whether this is a big shock, we also don't know. And what I hope is that this economy has enough underlying resilience to get through it. That's all for today, Thursday, March 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.